Well, this morning we're going to go ahead and continue on this series where we've been talking about who we are as a church. And this morning I want to talk about that, that one of the characteristics of who we are as Christians and as a church is that we are generous. So one of the characteristics that we, that, that we are as Christians and as a church is that we are generous. And the truth is, is this is one of the most important character traits that you can have as a Christian. Well, before we get into it, let's go ahead and bow our heads and, and pray, and then we'll dig into it. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, Father. We thank you for this time that we can spend in your presence. Father, I pray that as we, we, we dig into a topic dealing with finances and, and giving and generosity, Father, that our hearts would not be closed down and hardened to the idea of talking about money, but Father, that we'd be open and ready to receive your word and just have a revelation of what your word says about giving this morning. We thank you that you're here with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So like I said, one of the most important character traits that we can have as Christians is to be generous. And if that is one of the most important character traits that we can have is to be generous, that means that as Christians, as a result of having that character trait, that we are givers. That's just kind of how that works. And I'm not just referring to the tithe, because that's what everybody thinks about, is whenever you start talking about being generous and giving, everyone first wants to go in and start thinking about money. And I'm not just talking about money. Now, you should be generous with your money. That's true. But the reality is we should be generous with every aspect that we have in our life. We should be generous with our love. We should be generous with our compassion. We should be generous with our mercy. And maybe the most difficult of all, we should be generous with our time. You know, that's one of the things that I, I think about when, when, when people complain about giving. You know, they talk about, uh, you know, the churches just want your money and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, money is the easy thing to give. You can always get more money. Money's easy to come by. Your time, though, that's a difficult one to give. And for all those who do donate and give generously to this church with their time and to make sure that everything is going the way that it should from uh, Nick and Norma been helping out with keeping the church clean. They're the ones that, that clean up the mess you guys leave in the bathroom, so you should all give them a big hug. This morning I came in and the toilet paper had little triangles on it. He made it look all nice for you guys. Like this, this, He loves you guys. He's giving his time generously and... Uh, but that's not, I mean, so many people help out and donate their time to make sure the events that we have can go off. The people that are on the worship team, and I know it's just me and Blake this morning, Monique's at home with the brand new baby recovering uh, from that. But, and those who are part of that, they give so many hours a week that you guys don't even see. And the greeting and the, the children's church and all of those things, people give so generously in this church, and I'm so blessed for that. But the reason that we're to be generous is because you guys have heard, and I know you know this, but we're made in the image of God. We're made in His image. We have some of His characteristics inside of us, and God is a generous God. And if God is generous, and we're made to be generous, and we know God's generous, right, because He gave everything. He gave His Son so that we could have a brand new life. So if we know God is generous, then that means that we're supposed to be generous. Did you ever notice that stingy people are never happy? Have you ever met someone that's super stingy, doesn't want to give anything away? They're never happy. They may have all the stuff, all the things, but they're never happy. But people who give are full of joy. And I've noticed that. It's one that's been true in my life. I love to have the opportunity to give to people. 
whether it be just my time or my attention or even be finances or I've given away cars, but I love it. And that's not why we do it, but the truth is, is that, that you get joy when, you, when you're generous to people. Now, the reality is, though, is that being generous does deal with money. That is part of it. So we're going to get the money bit out of the way because some people think that churches and are just about money. They just want money. But let me tell you this, that Jesus talked about money more than our health. You can look that up. Go ahead and, and, and go through what he talked about, the parables of the scriptures. Jesus talked about money more than he did heaven and hell. Matter of fact, he talked about money more than anything else in the Bible except for the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about money more than love. 11 out of 39 parables deal with Jesus talking about money. That's over a quarter, almost a third of the parables deal about Jesus talking about how we should deal with our money. And one out of every seven verses in the Gospel of Luke talk about money. Some of you know that money actually is kind of important to God. And it's actually not the money. God doesn't really need your money. I don't need your money. The church doesn't need your money. God will take care of us to make sure that, that happens. It's not about money that God's worried about. What God is, is worried about is, is you. It's about your generosity. It's about the change that happens inside of you because when we are generous, it actually changes who we are, how we behave with people, how we interact with other people. We're not always worried about people trying to take advantage of us because we want to be generous to others. It's actually not about the money. It's about what happens inside of us when we're being generous. So let's look at our first verse this morning in Acts 4, 32 through 35. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things, no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and grace was upon them all. all upon them all. There was not a needy person among Jeez Louise. I have a rough morning. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of, of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, and they laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. And the reality is, is that this idea of being generous and taking care of one another and being there for one another, this was the, the character, this was the culture of the early church. And as I was reading the scripture, I began to think about it. Man, people are so much different now than the attitude that these folks had here. Particularly uh, outside of the church, the attitude in this world, what's being taught in our schools, what's being taught through the media is, is look out for number one, that take care of yourself, numero uno, everything is about you. But there was a completely different attitude that they had going on in the early church. And I believe that, that we should be looking to uh, view the characteristics of the early church and emulate them in many ways. I know that there's stuff that's different. They didn't have sound systems. I think it's okay that we have a sound system. But the attitude of hearts that they had, I think, is important. The, those types of characteristics. But their attitude was completely different because this wasn't happening back then with everybody else. It was in the Christian church that they were, that they were bringing everything together to take care of one another. And I wondered why. Why, why is it that they were so different? But the reality is it's because they were different. When you get saved, you are made brand new. You're not the person that you used to be. And as you begin to walk out in that faith, you'll begin to look like Jesus. And Jesus was generous. God is generous. We all know John 3.16, God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have eternal life. God was willing to give everything to us. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. One, there's a reality that, that as Christians, we should be different. But our initial instinct is to keep everything for ourselves. You'll see this in little kids. This doesn't have to be taught. This doesn't have to be, this is something that's inherent inside of us. Before we get saved, we're born broken. We're born with a selfishness. We're born with this idea of self-preservation and that everything needs to be looking out. And you see it with little kids when they don't want to share. You'll see it with little kids. They want to take other, other kids' toys. They want to do this. You'll, you see that all the time. We are born broken. But when you're born again, you're made brand new. And in that newness of life, you're actually selfless. That's actually one of sin's great powers is to keep us looking at ourselves. That's one of sin's great. That's, that's why they said that when, when the law came, it was the power of sin because all the law did was point out sin. And when you're looking at sin, when you're looking at failure, you're looking at yourself. And you're not looking at what God has accomplished in his son, the fact that you are brand new, that you, are, you have a new spirit inside of you. You're not who you used to be. And when you get born again, a change happens. And the truth is, is that you think, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not uh, selfless. I'm not generous. That's just not who I am. That's not who I was raised to be. But the truth is, is that is who you are. Sometimes it just takes a while for our bodies to catch up with the truth and the reality of what's been accomplished inside of us through Jesus Christ. In him, we are something different. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 6, 24, that no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. When you're born again, you're, you're changed. You're looking at something else, and there's actually a conflict between the two when you're, when you're not being generous, when you're not investing into other people, when you're not showing love to other people, when you're not being there for other people. There's a conflict because you're serving two different things. You're either you're serving yourself or God. This particular example refers to, to money. It says you cannot serve God and money, but I believe this extends to anything that you would put in front of God. You can't serve Him in anything else. Why is generosity so important to God? I've often wondered that. Because like I said, the truth is God doesn't need our money. The church doesn't need our money in the sense that, that God will take care of us no matter what anybody here does. The church, the, even if, if everybody today were to get up and leave and, 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 and never give again, again and invest in this church, this building may close down, but the, the church of God is still going to exist. People are still going to be reached. God doesn't need our money to do what he needs to do. And the truth is, is God can bring money in. For the, the Bible says that the, city, the cattle on a thousand hills, which in, in now language just means all the cattle belongs to God. Every, all the riches belong to God, and he can take care of it. So if he doesn't need our money, then what is the, the big deal with, with giving and being generous? Why, why is this, this such an issue? Because the reality is the things that we're unwilling to give up has complete control over our lives. The things that we're unwilling to set aside has a hold over you. Anything that you put before God has a hold over you, and ultimately it will disappoint you. No matter what you have that you put before God, it will, you will be disappointed. Wives, that put your husband before God, you will be disappointed by your husband. 
Husbands that put their wives before God, they will be disappointed by their wives. If your job comes first, if your job is your life, ultimately your job will disappoint you and heaven forbid you put your trust in the government, you're being disappointed right now. But if we don't want to be disappointed, we have to put God first. Matthew 6.34 says, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Actually, starting this section of Scripture in verse 25, Jesus started, don't be anxious about life, and then he ends up here. The reality is is that if we will put God first, we don't have to worry about the other stuff. If you will trust God and put your trust in Him and do what He wants you to do in your life, if you will serve Him, things will get taken care of. And many people want to think this is weird, this doesn't make any sense, you're just crazy, but the truth is, is I know it It works because I've seen it happen in my life. When I finally began to put God first, my marriage was restored. When I finally began to put God first, I finally began to have finances in my life. I wasn't broke all the time, living paycheck to paycheck. We went from a a bankruptcy to to being very well taken care of by God with the jobs that we have right now. God has honored us because we've honored Him. We put Him first. I've seen it in my life. People can say, you're crazy. That's not how it works. And I can say, yes, it is. I've been there. And it's not just me. I've seen it in so many people's lives. When they just begin to put God first, the stuff begins to work itself out. 1 Timothy 6, 18-19 says, There to do good, that's you guys and me, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So one of the things we saw that if serving money or serving anything else is wrong, then how do we go about doing it the right way? How do we go about putting God first? And I think the first thing that, that we have to, to really begin doing is begin teaching it in our congregations, teaching it to our children, that being generous is important. This is one of the most uncomfortable things for me to preach on as a pastor is about being generous because in today's society, so many people look so down on it. And I have to constantly remind myself, and even my pastor, when I talk to him and I express it, he says, well, what are you doing it for? Are you doing it for you or are you doing it for them? Teaching them to be generous, is it for you or is it for them? And, the, and I'm at the, it's for you guys. I want the benefit for you guys when you're generous. And I have to constantly remind myself of that. The other thing that's always somewhat uncomfortable, I remember when I was teaching through the, the book of 1 Corinthians, there was a, a, quite a few sections uh, about sex, and I remember right here looking at the, the youth as I'm talking about this and preaching from the Bible, that was uncomfortable, but I would do that a hundred times rather than preach on this because this makes me feel more uncomfortable because I feel like people are already looking at me going, I'm not hearing what you say, I just know you want my money, and that has nothing to do with it. The truth is, is that if you're honest, all of us in this room have just gone through moments of uncomfortableness. And I think it's because there's parts of us that are so attached to our material things. We're attached to our money and our, and the reality is, is if you think about it, our lives revolve around making and spending money. Unless you're fortunate enough to be retired. 
The rest of us, we go to work to make money, and we have to go to work to make money because we have to pay bills. Huh? Yeah. (laughs) Our life revolves around money. And when people start talking about it, we get that, that selfish motivation. We begin to be protective of our nest eggs. And unfortunately, there is a stigma that the church that just wants your money. And unfortunately, in many cases, it's, it's, it's a well-earned stigma. There's been plenty of abuse that has happened in church and religion in general and in charity. So people are, are naturally apprehensive because there has been a lot of abuse. And it's unfortunate. It's one thing as Christians, we should always keep in mind that whatever we're doing, we're doing for the Lord. And whatever we do, whether it be good or bad, will be attributed to him. We don't ever want to be the one that dragged Jesus' name through the mud. Because there are so many that have. But like I said, truth, the truth is, is that giving has nothing to do with me or the church or really even with God. It has everything to do with yourself. Philippians 4, 15 through 17 says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my knees once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that it increases to your credit. And like Paul, like I'm so thankful for all of you who are faithful and give. And the truth is, is that as a church, we're committed to using those finances uh, responsibly in order to do what we need to do here and to reach this community. But more importantly, I'm so thankful that to the credit it increases to your account. I know that we are blessed when we give, and I know that we can outgive God. So even as uncomfortable as this stuff makes me, there are going to be times that I have to teach it on being generous and about giving. And if you've been here for a long time, you'll notice that I actually don't do it all that often. I do, we do the smaller teaching in front of every time that we give because I don't want to, to alienate people. But the reality is, is we do need to be teaching this. We need to be teaching this in our churches and our Bible studies. We need to be teaching it when we're discipling other people. And you need to be teaching it to your children as well. We don't want to see our kids, we don't want our, our kids to grow up seeing us always only focused on ourselves. We need to teach them to give. We need to let them see us give. Let them see us be generous. And like I said, this isn't always just about money because we, they need to see us be generous with our time, generous with our praise, generous with our encouragement. One of the, the areas that, that I probably struggle with the most if you ask Blake is I I'm much quicker to criticize than I am to praise and encourage. And I always notice it the most, not when I'm doing it, but when I see him doing it. Because I recognize that the reason he does it as much as he does is because he's learned it from me. I've been generous with criticism instead of with praise and encouragement, and now I see him doing the same. Our kids will watch us and they'll learn by what we're doing. So let's make sure we're putting forward a christian example so that when they go out they're going to be doing those things be generous with your love In proverbs eleven twenty four through 25 it says the one who gives freely grows all the richer and another withholds what he should give and only suffers want 
Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. This is the principle of sowing and reaping, and if you've been in church for a long time, you've heard about sowing and reaping. Um, but the, the reality is, is, is that we wonder why we need to be generous so God can bless us. It opens up an avenue that God can bless us. And I find it interesting, there are people that are struggling financially. There are people that are having a hard time making ends meet, or they're, they're, they're struggling in these areas, and they, they wonder, why, why, is, why does it seem like God's not blessing me in this? Why does it seem like we're struggling? But they never take the time to, to, to think that, well, what am I doing? The truth is, is that when, when, we are, when we hold everything in, it makes it almost impossible for God to bless us. We are the ones that are holding God off because God wants more than anything to bless you. But when we are, are, are stingy and inward focused, we actually push God away without even realizing that we're doing it. It says that if you give freely, you'll grow all the richer, but if you withhold what you should give, you'll suffer want. And this goes for every area of our life, not just in, in, in money, but if you withhold love, you're going to suffer love, suffer want for love in your life. If you withhold mercy, you're going to suffer not getting mercy to you. If you withhold kindness, you're going to find that people aren't kind to you. If you withhold your time, you'll find that nobody's willing to help you. You ever need help moving? Help somebody else out move, and you'll find out that people will be more willing to help you move if you'll be generous to somebody else. We reap what we sow. If you give freely, you'll grow the richer in that area, but if you withhold what you're supposed to give, you will suffer want in that area. It says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. And the truth, the opposite is also true. You see it all the time in rich people and famous people. I mean, we just said Robin Williams took his life not too long ago. And from the outside looking in, he was a comedian. He was funny. He seemed to be full of joy and had a great life. And he was obviously well-to-do financially. But he had no joy. He wasn't happy. That's the whole point of Charles Dickens' novel, A Christmas Carol. The whole point was that he, he was filthy rich, but he was stingy. I once heard a story, a pastor tell a story about how his house got flooded with nine foot of water. Can you imagine that? Nine feet of water. And he was a pastor. And he was upset at first. He couldn't understand why would God do, I'm serving I'm in the church, I'm a pastor. Why would God do this and let this happen to me? But right after it happened, none of his family was hurt, and they cleaned it out, and the generosity of others actually restored everything that he had lost. People gave, people came to his aid in his need, and they restored every single thing that was lost. And as he's telling the story, he said, at first I was upset, but then I began to to realize, and I had a better understanding that all this other stuff is, is just stuff. And it wasn't important. And God still honored him and made sure that he was taken care of. Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deeds. The truth is, is that if we will be generous, God will always make sure that we have everything that we need. The Bible says that God is watching over his word ready 
to perform it. If you read it in here, you read these promises, God will be faithful to them. If you want to grow richer in an area, give in that area. And it's more than just that, because in Luke 6.38 it says, Give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So not only will we be watered as we watered, not only will we receive as we give, but how much is determined by how generous that we are. If you give a lot, expect a lot. But if you just give a little, expect a little. And if you give nothing, expect nothing. I love the way God's promises work, too, because it's not, it's, it's not a loan. You know, it's not like a loan works. It's not like you, you give this much and you get that much back. But the Bible says if you give, it'll be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and it'll be put into your lap. Have you guys ever seen um, that uh, illustration? This, it was, I saw it done in a science class, and, and it, a teacher brought out a... Uh, uh, a big uh, jar, a big glass jar. And he filled it with, uh, I believe he filled it with marbles. And he asked the class, all the way to the top, no, not another marble could fit in. And he asked the class, is this full? And most class said, yeah, it's full. He says, no, watch, let me show you this. And he began to pour sand in there. And he shook it around and the sand filled up all the areas that were full. Now this thing is just packed out with sand and marbles. And the class is like, oh, you got me. He said, all right, but now is it full? And the class went, yeah, now it's full. And he goes, wait, let me show you this. And then he began, he poured water into the, to the jar. And it filled in all the area between the sand. And now it's completely full. I, I think that's kind of how, how God does it with us. It's that pressed down, shaken together. If you've ever shaken anything that has larger and smaller pieces, when you shake it, the small goes to the bottom and it begins to fill up. You know, that's, that's the reality of when God gives to us. We give him a jar of marbles, and he, he, he was completely filled, packed out with the sand and the water, filled to full measure. And not only that, it says that it's pressed down, shaken together, but it's running over when he returns it to us. And you can ask, Pastor Wayne, do you really believe this? And I do with all my heart. I've given joyfully and faithfully. That's, I've, I've talk, talked to you guys before. There are certain areas of my life where I have great faith, and there are some areas of my life where my faith is growing. Healing is an area that I struggle with, to be honest with you. It's, it's grown over the years, but healing is still one that I have to, to buckle down and just because I'm, I'm instantly skeptical. When I hear about people being healed miraculously, I, I instantly go skeptical, and I have to remind myself, you're not God. Quit trying to tell God what he can and can't do. Anybody ever told God what he can and can't do? That's impossible, God. You can't do that. But finances, is, when, when me and Michelle finally decided to follow, follow God, that's the first thing that we decided to do. We were going to give faithfully. We would write a rent check and a tithe check at the same time, and we were, it was a race to see which one was going to clear. But God was always faithful. It was always amazing how God would make things work out when we were in that situation. Both couldn't clear. Sometimes neither one could clear. But we would, we would, we would, we were just gonna to do it. We we're gonna trust God, and and the the money would come out of nowhere. Or for some reason, the rent check wouldn't wouldn't clear like when it was supposed to. It didn't clear to like two weeks later when we had you know our paychecks came. We had money in the account. Like it was amazing to watch God and where money would come. And He was so faithful. 
And I've given joyfully and faithfully to God for years. And I continue to do so. I do everything that I can. I've, and, and I'm not telling you this to brag, but it's just reality that I've given away cars. I've given away guitars. I've given away cash. The truth is, is that most of the stuff that we got going on in this church comes out of mine and Michelle's pockets. And it's because God has blessed me. And I, I keep seeing that it doesn't matter what I give. God keeps making sure that I have enough and I get promotions. I get raises. I get better hours. I, God takes care of me because I'm faithful to him. And I've never outgiven God. And every time I try to be more generous and to do more, he keeps giving me more to be generous with. That's what I love about God is he gives us more than enough for every good work. But also, God lets you keep some of it too. I don't think God wants us to be, you know, living in poverty. I believe God wants us taken care of. And you look at someone like Abraham, who was very generous. He gave a tenth of all. Abraham was filthy rich. David was rich. These were all men after God's own heart, but they were still generous. And the more that I give, the more that comes back to me. In Luke 16, 10, it says, the one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. If you just have a little right now, be faithful and see what God will do in your life. And the reality is, is that if God can get it through you, he will get it to you. He will take care of you. And 1 John 3, 17 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? As Christians, the truth is, is we should desire to meet the needs of those around us. And I am the first to be skeptical when I see people begging for money. It's actually an area that God continues to work on in my heart. And it seems like every time I get committed and I'm going to do it, like one of those guys does something that makes me want to pull back again. But I, I recall being taken advantage of by people that wanted money. They, they come out and they, and I, I think I've told you guys uh, about a story when I was in high school that kind of started all this off years ago. Basically, I let a guy have some money that was on the side of the road, and then he went into a restaurant and bought like steak and shrimp and the most expensive thing on the menu. And, and, uh, and the truth is, I don't know his story. Maybe he got a, one chance to do that. Maybe somebody bought it for him. I don't know what happened, but I was upset that I had given him money, and he didn't go buy peanut butter and bread that would last him for, for weeks, and instead he would spend it all in one shot. But God works on me, and and, and I, I realized that I would much rather make sure that I took care of the one that needed it and give the five that didn't than to ignore them all. And now I give, whenever I feel the Lord leading me, I don't even question it, I give. And I, found, I find great joy in being generous, but just recently something happened that makes, always like fights back against that. I was at, at, uh, at a, a Circle K and this guy comes up and, and he tells me that uh, he drives a blazer and uh, it just ran out of the gas on the road. He uh, up by a, I was at the Circle K by the U of A on Mountain there. And he said he was at that uh, the hotel up on Campbell, that new hotel they put in on Campbell and uh, uh, what is it, Speedway. And uh, so he says my van's or my my blazer's parked there. It chews through gas. You know he's dressed somewhat nice. He's he said I just need to get home. You know, the whole I can pay you back thing. And, and one thing that I never do is I never lend money. I always, I always just give it because the Bible says the, the borrower is slave to the lender. And I never want to be that with anybody. So, and I, I'm, I'm sitting there talking to him and it doesn't feel quite right. But like I said, I'd rather give to people who don't need it than to miss the person that does. So 
Um, he, he wanted something like 20 bucks or if I could. And I'm like, well, I don't have that. I've got like five bucks on me. I got, so I gave him, it was five or 10 bucks. And he goes, well, you know, like I, I, this really isn't. I said, well, this will get you started. And so I did that and left. Well, two weeks later, I'm at the same gas station getting my coffee. And I see the same guy with his head inside somebody else's vehicle asking for money. And I was like, the chances of him being out of gas two weeks in a row, the, it was a story. And, uh, yeah, that stuff happens, and it, and it begins to try to, it's like the world wants me to, to, to pull back and be stingy, but I keep reminding myself that I would rather give to that guy. I won't do it again, you know, like if he came up again, like, now nah, we, we had this discussion already. But I, I'm, I'm still glad that I did it because I would rather him take advantage of me and not need it rather than me not be able to help somebody that actually does need my help. And the reality is, is that God's love in us causes us to be generous and, and causes us to want to take care of those who are in need. And John goes so far to say that if you're not generous, if you, if, if you have the world's good, if, you, if you're prospering, if you have enough, and you see your brother in need, but you close your heart against them, how does God's love abide in them? John, John says if, if, if you're unwilling to be generous, he's actually questioning God's love inside of you. Why? Because God's love inside of you changes you. 1 John 4.19 says that we love because he first loved us. If you have the love of God inside of you, if you've been saved, born again, you should start seeing changes in your life. In Luke 10.32-35, Jesus, it says, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And now by chance a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion, and he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him, set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. This is the parable Jesus told to talk about how we should love our neighbor. And the amazing thing about this story is this was a Samaritan, and if you don't know, the Samaritan and the Jews had like a very deep hatred between one another. This was a long-standing hatred that they had, kind of like the Hatfields and the McCoys or the Montagues and the Capulets. You know, this was a long-standing feud and hatred between them, but this Samaritan ends up showing compassion and generosity for someone that he should have culturally hated. It makes me think, who am I willing to be generous to? Will I let my, my, my dislikes and hate get in the way? Will I let my prejudices or, or, or any kind of bigotry get in the way? Is there only a subset of people that I'm going to be generous to or I'm going to be welcoming to? Jesus told them to inherit eternal life, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And if you remember in this story, they tried to skirt that last requirement by saying, well, wait a minute, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? You know, they were trying to figure out who they had to do this for. And this was Jesus' answer. The person you hate is your neighbor. He taught us to be generous to all who would need it. 
2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, it says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia, for in a severe test of affliction, the abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed, and a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, and as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this is not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. There's another church, the Macedonian church, that lives by this principle of being generous. And their generosity, it says, was the result of the grace of God. Because they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us, but it says that they... They, they overflowed in, in a wealth of generosity on their part by the grace of God. So one, we see that one, it's God working in them, enabling them to be generous. But what I find interesting about this story is that these people had nothing. It doesn't say that, 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 that they gave out of their, their excess. It doesn't say that they were, they were rolling in it and they had some extra. It says that they actually gave out of their extreme poverty. And they did it in an abundance of joy. That's not something that we see today. It was a sacrifice for them. And they gave according to their means, which is what we all should be doing. But these guys, they chose to give even above their very own means. And not only that, it says that they begged for the opportunity to do so. That's not an attitude that we see in our churches today. I'll be honest, it's not really an attitude that I take all that often either. But the truth is, this is who we are. This is, this is the God inside of us. When he gave us his, his spirit to be inside of us, it's his character that overflows out of us. And it says they did it in their, in their poverty. They did it when they had nothing. What an unusual attitude for this church to have. And one that I would encourage all of us to have as well. And then Jesus gives a word of caution, though. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. And this is Matthew 6, 1 through 4. In order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. They may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when they give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. One of the things that I want to remind us, though, that, that even though we teach we're to be generous and we teach that's God inside of us, His Spirit inside of us, that's the natural result of a changed heart, a, a softened heart, just to be generous. But we have to make sure that we're doing it for the right reasons. If you decide to be generous, if you decide to be giving because the pastor's up here making you feel guilty, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. We don't give out of a sense of duty or out of a sense of compulsion. Being generous will not get you into heaven. Being generous is not about somehow being promoted in the kingdom of God. And we don't do it to receive. You know, we go through and we read the promises, and it's amazing to see that, that God will reward you, that God will be faithful to you. He will take care of you, but that's also not why we do it as well. This isn't some kind of holy lottery that Christians pay, play. The truth is, is that we do it because He loves us so much. It's the natural result of being made 
brand new. He gave everything to us. And we seem like it's such a weird, uh, a weird idea that, that he gave to us that we would want to be generous in return. But we all do it on a regular basis. How many of you have had somebody take you out to lunch and bought lunch for you? What's your initial response? To pay them back. To, to pay somebody back, to, to, to return the favor that has been done to you is a natural response that every single one of us have. But all of a sudden, when we start talking about God, it gets all weird and doesn't make any sense. He gave everything to us. So the natural response out of that is to be generous. It should well up outside of you for what has been done inside of you. And if we're doing it to receive something, we're doing it for the wrong reasons. If we're doing it out of a sense of duty or out of a sense of compulsion, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. If that's why you're doing it, I'd assume you did not do it because you won't receive the gift. You won't receive the reward. You're just wasting your time. We don't do it for the pat on the back either. If you're doing it for recognition, if you're doing it so you can feel good about yourself, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. But if you are generous in response to his love, and to be honest with you, when I, when I think about the love of God and what he's done for me in Jesus, I don't even see any other way to respond. But if you'll do it out of generosity, if you'll be generous out of response to his love, you will be rewarded and he will take care of you. And we'll go ahead and end here today in Matthew 25, 31 through 40. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a, shepherd, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. And I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came. To me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you, see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer him, them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The reality is, is that when we're being generous to others, we're actually being generous to God. Out of duty, we do it out of a response to his love for us. And the amazing thing is, is it's not just about the other person. The Bible says that we're actually doing it to do these things. So church, I would encourage you, let's be generous people. Let's be a generous people, not only to those who are inside the church, but those who are outside of the church. Let's make a commitment to be generous, to, to show love and, and encouragement to others, financial if necessary, or just time and love and compassion. But let's resolve to be a generous people, amen?